From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Never Ready. This is Stephen Robles and, you know, we talk about Impact 360 all the time. And so we wanted to give you a brief taste of one of their online courses, which is Explore Truth. And so here's a little clip from their course that you can get when you go to impact360.org and use the promo code FREEMIND for $25 off. Here's a little bit of what you'll hear. You're welcome to believe whatever you want to believe today, just so long as you don't believe it's actually true. And if it happens to be about spiritual things or moral things, then you just need to keep that to yourself. And if you happen to be a Christian, you can believe that stuff within the confines of your own mind. But don't you dare try to push that on somebody else. Welcome to an increasingly secular culture. But don't be discouraged. You and I can learn how to move and breathe in today's cultural climate. How? by drawing close to Christ and applying our minds to truth. So stick with me. Well, we hope you enjoyed that preview of Impact 360's course, Explore Truth. Again, check them out, impact360.org. Yeah, man. So yeah, hopefully we're missing us last week. We hope right, uh, right. we hope we left a hole in your heart, uh, <laughs> left you wanting more. You know, actually to, to the fact, I, I was at church and someone was like, love the show, listen every week. I like, can't wait for tomorrow's episode. And it was last Sunday. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, well, actually. Got him. No, but but yeah, people look forward to it. And I was thinking too for our listeners, we would love to. I want to take just a second and say, if you can, would you write in what your favorite episode was? Could be your favorite for many reasons. You enjoyed it, or you you found it to be really helpful. Um, write write what that episode was and why you yeah why it was your favorite. And we have a couple series. You know, I think um, we've had a couple episodes with Elisa Childers. We had a couple mm-hmm. with talking about the Lauren Daigle issue. So, you know, if it was a couple, you know, part one, part twos, that'd be awesome. But you can email those to podcast at freemind.fm. So email us that episode title and why, or hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at freemind.fm on Instagram and Twitter, and then Freemind Podcast FM page on Facebook. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to hear it because I'd actually be cool to talk through those as we yeah. head into next year. You know, one of the things, man, we've been really – Going into 2020, you can speak on this too, babe, but I, I've been really feeling a, a sense of urgency and just um, almost an urge and, a, and a, a, a push to be brave, man, to be courageous as we enter this new year. And I, that uh, Billy Graham, what's the Billy Graham uh, quote? You, you've used it a couple of times. We've used it a couple of times. You're calling me out now. Hey. He says, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Yeah. That's Billy Graham. Wow. Oh, Brother Graham. So one of the things, I think you just spoke on this too, Daniel. That's right. How he was, you know, he and the, the, the three Hebrew boys, yeah. That's right. Were stood, you know, in a, in a culture yeah. set against God when it was time to bow and it would, you know, potentially cost them their lives. And, right. You know, it feels to me like it's time for that season. And I know, you know, one of the things we've done on this podcast this year is we have we talked about the different voices, the pastoral voice, the prophetic voice, right. and the persuasive voice, and how kind of more often than not with this podcast, we've tried to take the persuasive voice. You know, we're using, you know, like Dallas said, reason in submission to the Holy Spirit to help help lift doubts and blockades off the honest inquirer into truth. Right. And um, you know, we're we're hoping that we try to do that with gentleness and humility, but also with boldness to not back down from um, biblical principles just because they're getting more and more unpopular. You know, I'm reminded also of that thing we've, we've often referred to in the kingdom triangle where, you know, if you're gonna, if the church is going to flourish, 
in a culture set against God, what does it need? It needs all three of those legs. It needs character, deep character, you know, the love that's embodied in the, the community of God that spills out beyond itself. Being able to outthink our critics, sound minds, biblical minds that are informed and thoughtful. The third thing being the manifest presence of God. And we've talked, I think uh, it was a while back, and it's not, you know, oddly enough, it's not one of our more downloaded episodes, the the three we did on the, the Mountain, Mountain Prophet. Prophet. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the, for the people that, that have listened, I think more times than not, people look at the title of the episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they, 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 they wrongly judge a book by its cover, <laughs> Brother Robles. <laughs> That's right. See? Right. And uh, what they don't know is sometimes the gems are hidden. Mm, in that part three. That's right. In that part it's three. It's that part three. That it's that part three. So, <laughs> like, you're right, because we got a couple responses from people. Yeah. Absolutely. They said part three of that three-part series was one of their favorite um, episodes of, right. of the whole series, of exactly. everything we've done. Right. And um, so I, I would recommend that, not just because we're trying to build those stats there, because it really don't matter right. at the end of the day, because um, we ain't getting paid for none of these streams. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it would be valuable to go check those out. Yeah. But one, one of the things we discussed on there was the need for the prophetic voice. Mm-hmm. We don't take the cessationist position here. And, and just for a quick reminder, roughly speaking, in, in a simplistic way, cessationism is the idea that um, the gifts of the Spirit that were running throughout the New Testament um, documents and the New Testament times were normative for that period. But, but at the close of the canon, when the Bible was, you know, finished being written, mm-hmm. basically those gifts kind of faded out for the most part. They, the cessationists right. would still hold that, you know, there, there'd be occasional healings um, that, mm. you know, some of them would be even open to the idea that occasionally God nudges us in directions and, and guides us in our sermon, stuff like that. But for the most part, these aren't normative part of, these aren't a normative part of the believer's life that we should expect and, right. and, you know, seek and, and go after, especially things like tongues and those items like that, that would have been for the New Testament church. And mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember how much depth we went into. I don't, I don't think we went super deep, but mm. Here I want to point people to even a book, you know, very conservative writer, Wayne Grudem, a systematic theologian. He's got a book called Systematic Theology. But I think uh, if you haven't ever looked at that book, it's rather large, but it's it's worth getting, putting in your library um, for a reference book. And he lays out scripture, the authority of scripture, the clarity, sometimes called the perspicuity of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture, these kind of reformed approaches to sola scriptura. He also, though, later on in the book talks about prophecy and um, New Testament prophecy and how it's different than Old Testament prophets. But in his view, there is no reason, no no good theological reason for subscribing to cessationism. Mm. I think one of the one of the stronger one of the arguments I used to think was stronger for that would have been things like, well, historically, when you look back, it just seemed like it clustered around the New Testament time, and then it seemed like it faded out. Right. And so maybe from you know they give a historical argument, it just looks like at the close of the canon, God stopped working like that. So you know, in the same way that split the Red Sea, but we shouldn't expect that every time or it's a normal thing for us to go up to the ocean if we're running from somebody and they're just going to split it open for us to walk through kind of that idea but um but if you read craig keener's books on uh, miracles right he actually shows that that's that's really that historical picture actually doesn't pan out when you look at the details the miracles have actually continued yeah. and oftentimes continued to cluster in the same way that they did there in the new testament church especially when the gospel would go to new areas Mm. Um, but there's also even been um, modern day miracles that have been right. 
verified, uh, even medically in many cases, even in the U.S. where we think stuff like that doesn't happen. Well, it happens actually a lot more than we think it does. Um, So anyways, um, that's just a quick recap, but I would recommend jumping back. But the reason I bring this up today is because while, you know, we're one of our emphases here is on critical thinking, reasoning, we want to we want to do that. Well, we want to be responsible and do our best to think hard about these important issues. Yeah. But I think we also don't want to neglect that prophetic side yeah. and to understand that God isn't merely a theorem we put on a blackboard mm. and we kind of do our best scientific, mathematical, philosophical research and come to the conclusion that therefore it's likely that God exists and that Christianity is true. But it's more, it's it includes that sometimes, yeah. like natural theology, that whole thing. But I think it's beyond that, like it's a living, breathing, like Yahweh of the Bible, he's, a, he's an active, he's an right. active God and he... Come on, jumps somebody. in hey yeah he jumps in and he you know he's he's always communicating he's always moving right. now one of the things grudem points out is these modern communications you know whether or not you want to call it revelation or not you know it's a different right. different kind of thing um that debate um but his speaking even in healthy pentecostal environments let's say it's always submitted to the scripture like it's not on the same level the scripture is always the plumb line it's the standard by which we judge these less clear less authoritative nudges from god or prophecies or words or you know dreams that god gives us they're not going to have the same kind of weight status authority and clarity of scripture but if if you look at scripture you see how how much especially in the book of acts there was this interaction with god and there was this flowing even though they had the they were searching the old testament scriptures and writing (laughs) the new ones but you know this this part of god working through them speaking to them interacting with them was very much a part and you see that and like like Keener shows that happens throughout church history, and it's an important part um, of our walk with God and of the work that He's called us to do. And so, one of the things, you know, Nervin, Nervin, and I, we always have our, you know, on the one hand, using I'm using my left brain, really trying to understand, reading deep theology, being as careful as possible. But on the other hand, I got my ear to the pavement, and I'm saying, what are the prophets? And again, not not in the Old Testament sense, but what are the people? that they tend to work in the gift of prophecy. And one of the ways that prophecy worked um, in the Old Testament, it involved foretelling often, like stuff that was to come. But it also gave a God's eye perspective on present events. Mm. Because one of the things that's hard to discern is the mind of God in any given situation. And let me give you just a for instance, like let's say a, a political leader comes to power and you know, you might you might have one group that say, "Man, this is this is God. He's done this because we have prayed, and he he brought this person to this place to bring uh, righteous judgment or right. to to help further the ways of the kingdom." The other group that doesn't like that politician might be saying, "No, this is God's judgment on us <laughs> as a people." Right. Or other people will say, "No, no, no. It's just the natural effect of the sin and where we've gone as human beings." So there, there's no like, there's no like, God's not necessarily doing this for any purpose or any um, particular reason. This is just the. He, this is something he had merely allowed. Right. I see. This is just a simplistic example, but in that case, like sometimes what a prophetic word does is it gives God the the God's eye view of what's going on. So you know right. the mind of God toward this particular situation. Now, oftentimes we don't know. It's we find out in the rearview mirror. 
Right. Like it's mm-hmm. e- it's much easier. Like yeah. the book of Esther, for instance, is an interesting book because there's sure. no there's no overt activity of God mentioned. And and if you were in the place of those people, you wouldn't necessarily know what was going on. It's after you read read through the book, you see, man, God was orchestrating this very clearly. He was involved in particular ways for certain yeah. reasons that you might not have seen on the ground. Right. Another example might be Job. You know, where there's something going on in the heavenly court and his advisors give him all these really bad ideas. And so you don't know. And so later on we get the, I mean, we as the reader are getting kind of the God's eye view of what's happening. So sometimes like God graces his church. He gives us prophetic words. You see this in the book of Acts as well. Oftentimes they're just going and doing, they're, they're bringing the gospel. And right. sometimes that the Holy Spirit blocked them from going there. We don't know. Was that a word they got or was it just the circumstances that right. they're reading? And, you know, it's all kind of things like that. Sure. So, so, you know, sometimes God gifts the the body with prophetic words to to help us understand the times. And as we're looking back, you know, we're nearing the end of 2019. We're looking back on this year. We have been made aware of some prophetic voices that we weren't aware of. I wasn't aware of you. Actually, you might've been aware of a few of them um, before that was back in your eye. I'm always aware of it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's just a joke. Well, cause uh, nerve- of the three, I she's the prophetness. Sp- no, that's kidding. right. I'm she joking. walks in spirit. She, you know, she I used to watch a lot of TBN. Make and she claims I put it to a stop. They were but always on the show. <laughs> you quote, you quote in the spirit, squelch in the spirit. Apparently, but, she she said I had an attitude when she'd be watching TV. Oh in the gosh, house. I might as well have had on TV talk. Work. <laughs> now I do hate the view. <laughs> if she has the view on, I get an attitude. Listen, I hate to I hear foolishness compounded in the airways of my own house. I love a great argument or debate. <laughs> <laughs> By great, one of my guilty pleasures. Okay, yes, go ahead. and she likes Carry uh, on. she she uh, she likes uh, prosperity oil being sold to. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no she doesn't like That's that. Prophet Lion. Hey, That's come a on. different. But no, she actually ahead, she actually did watch a lot of good shows, but you know, and I probably did give her grief about it. But anyways, we came across some of these guys recently, and um, I really feel like you know it's like the Sons of Issachar. So when we open up the the year at Crossing, you know, we did that yeah. first Wednesday service, and I and I felt like God had really placed it on my heart to mm. preach this message. I think it was called so um, "Wake Up, Stand Up, Train Up, Train Up." Speak, speak up. up or something like that. Yeah. Maybe not in that order. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, uh, wake up, train up, I think stand up, wake, speak up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that right. That's it. right. Yeah, it was a good message. No, I'll give it so it it so was good. uh it was the kind I just felt it was like it was like I felt weighty like yeah. it felt just pressing on my heart like it was even hard to mm. deliver it. Since then, it really has. It's been like a it's been a theme that's run throughout this year of just God been has really been awakening us, waking us up to the reality of the war that's mm-hmm. going on around us. And that I probably didn't even see two or three years ago, to mm-hmm. be honest, like I was just kind of building up our artist thing in my own world, trying to do this thing. He began to kind of remove the scales off my eyes. Meanwhile, I started coming across these other guys. And I think I, I, I sprung from that very scripture that night at Sons of Issachar. Right. So they understood the times. And I was, uh, that was the message to the church. I think it's the message to the church right now, especially going into 2020, Mm -hmm. um, as things are just growing and growing to a fever pitch, um, place in our culture. And it's getting a God's eye view on the times. Now, again, he doesn't always give us that oftentimes it's in retrospect, but there have been some specific prophecies. and, And I think as we go into next year, I'll play some of those. I played some for you guys at Thanksgiving. There's some really interesting prophecies from a guy named Kim Clement. Oh man. Pretty wild stuff. But there's a couple other, um, voices as well that, that we've 
been listening to, keeping our just kind of like, you know, and again, even when we listen to these guys, it's just like Paul said, you test everything and hold on to that, which is good. Right. So we're not, ta- we're not saying like yeah. go in there blindly and just gullibly, you know, but there are certain people that have a good track record and you, you sense the anointing of God, you hear right. the accuracy and the, the specificity mm-hmm. of their claims matching up with reality. And, and it gives you an indicator that man, that God, you know, they might be working in this specific gift. Uh, we talked about the mountain prophet being one of those voices. Lance Wallnow being another guy, um, Michael Brown, uh, Kim Clement. And then I just came across this other um, gentleman recently named Mario Murillo. And he recently wrote a book called Vessels of Fire and Glory. And now this might be the first book that I've ever personally owned that is forwarded by uh, Perry Stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, views expressed in this uh, podcast do not reflect those of Impact 360, but we're just kind of going off the rails and chasing this down here to see to see what happens. But no, when I heard this guy, I actually heard him being interviewed on the Michael Brown show, hmm. and man, my the hairs on my arm arms were standing up, and it was like it was one of those hmm. moments. I was like, this is another son of Issachar wow. that understands the times, man. He has a prophetic voice. You know, I want to be able to bring all these things to the table alongside of the clear-headed reasoning, yeah. the theological rigor, the the biblical authority, but also the prophetic word right next to it. And so I want to kind of just uh, touch on some of the stuff he talks about in this book. So here's here's a couple of things I'd recommend to you listeners. Even if you do lean toward the cessationist side or toward the more, you know, less charismatic side, that's fine. It's all good. I would I would say this. Um just uh and again, and I ask you to to remove your critical thinking, but prayerfully and thoughtfully get get this book by Mario Murillo, read through it with your family, maybe a chapter a night. And one other book by Michael Brown called uh I think it's called Jezebel's War on America. And just prayerfully consider it. You know, you may you may get to the end of it and be like, you know, I, some of that's good, some of it's not. I disagree with this. I do. That's fine. I just I want to encourage you um between now and you know, a lot of people do the 21 day fast in New right, Year. Right, that's true. By the by the end of that, I want you guys to to read these two books if you will. And I think one of the things that you'll be inspired to do more than anything is to pray, like to mm-hmm. to really, really turn up your prayer life. And you will be, you will get a new uh, set of glasses or lenses to see the war that we are engaged in. Now, in one sense, church, the church has always been engaged in a, in a spiritual battle. Like we're, you know, that's the way things are until the second coming to Christ, you know. Hmm. But in another sense, there are specific times where the war is like it's it's a it's a massive war for a specific um outcome that the right. enemy wants to that but that God is raising up people and I, and I think again I always love the Lord of the Rings hobbit references but you could speak into this too babe but I, it makes me think of the time when it, the battle of helms deep mm. remember that in the second <laughs> yeah. it's the second uh the two towers the two towers movie yeah. when uh I think it was Aragon that took the fall off the cliff in one of the battles on their way to Helm's Deep. And then he saw the horde, like he somehow he's riding on the horse and he saw the hordes or something, the thousands and thousands of soldiers that were making their way. So he rushed back as quick as he could. And he said, Hey, war is upon you. you. Get ready. Like, and he basically prepared them. Now, it was interesting because the elves from another part of Middle Earth, they could have been like, you know, they had their own battles going on. They had their yeah. own stuff they had to take care of. But they understood that the Battle of Helm's Deep was so important. That they were willing to send all these mm. troops there because if they, they knew if, if Helm's Deep falls, Middle Earth falls mm. to this force. And 
one of the things that these prophet guys, and, and you remember this too, Stephen, if you haven't heard, we actually interviewed the Mountain Prophet. It's on our Patreon account. That's right. And for as little as a dollar a month, actually, That's right. you can be a Patreon supporter if you want to do less than what God's called you to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Now, if you want to walk in that spirit and sow. That's right. Sow that seed. I'll get my Amen. TV in on. Come on, somebody. We got some oil from Jerusalem. That's we, right. I do, know, actually. Say, I have it at home. See, that's what I'm talking about. We, we will dab it on a handkerchief that's right. and send that joint to you for a gift of 50 a month. Oh it's actually God. not accurate. We will not send you a handkerchief. No. <laughs> but you do get access to a lot of yes, bonus episodes. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> the Patreon, I think we did four different episodes with him. Yeah, we did. And it's really, you know, again... The prophets, you know, they had that thing. They'll, they, or the people that work in the gift of prophecy will often have that in your face, like go hard in the paint, set your hair <laughs> on fire kind of thing. And this guy, Mario, has that same fire. And, but I just, I think what these guys are saying, they are seeing something that's very specific right now that the church needs to come together in unity and first recognize. And it, and it does tie back to that message first wake up to the reality that this horde of Ulrichai is right. on its way to the yes. gate and then we need to train up you know we got a little bit of time get the armor on you know right. do some sword fights <laughs> yeah learn how Spar. to use that joint and then we need to stand there yes. and then we need to you know speak up and stand up we need to understand how we're going to engage in this this right. battle on behalf of the kingdom so we're going to bring this to you but like i said uh this may take a couple episodes but i wanted to highlight some of the things he said in this book as we go into 2020 so that you guys can be like prayerfully like as you fast and pray man i think this is a time for us really to we 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 have these conversations all the time with with our family and our parents we're often like man what will you know, what is the central issue and then what do we do about it sure. and i think this book gets at answering those questions hmm. So anyways, jumping into the book here, you've started reading it, right, babe? Yes. Three chapters in. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, I think we just showed him today. You were kind of flipping through it and you were like, all right, all right. Yeah, every paragraph. Well, yeah, you flip to one where you pull a, uh, just to give our our people here a little flavor of what, what's going on in here. Well, it seems like in this chapter, again, I haven't read anything, but he's addressing the church specifically. And he says, even when a congregation is a listless, biblically illiterate club of moody consumers, Preachers will pamper them with one more high-calorie pep talk about how much God is pleased with them. It has gotten so bad that Sundays are a celebration of how much God lets you get away with. Come on. Well, I said, all right. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Good night. So talking about courage and bravery. So I just want to give you one example. So I won't say what it is, but we're getting ready to do this event. You know, this person, it's like a, a youth kind of event thing. And different artists, all that kind yeah. of thing. But anyways, we're talking to the person and uh, that's that's putting it on, and they in the conversation, just going over details, details, you know, this and that. And they were they eventually were like, "Hey, I also want to tell you tell you guys this." They don't know anything about the podcast we do, so it wasn't even right. related to what we normally do. But they were like, um, "You know, up here are things a little different. We we're asking people don't make any political statements, no jokes." Don't talk about sexuality hmm. any kind of way. Just kind of stick to the gospel and, you know, that kind of deal. And then also send a letter after that. And, you know, on the 
on the one hand, I can understand that because I, if I was putting on an event these days and it was artists, I probably don't want them talking on anything. Because, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, like sure. we, we see with, back with the point. Lauren Daigle episode, right. like you don't know what they're going to say. You get the feeling that it's more about they don't want people to even if it even if they were taking a biblical perspective, like a traditional right. biblical perspective, it wouldn't. They don't want to offend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that would be fine. You know, they said they wanted to leave those issues to their local churches to work through with them. They didn't want to get into it here. And again, if this was like an anomaly or an exception to the rule, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense because that's, I mean, that's the appropriate thing. Like, go to your church. The problem is this is also what you typically get at church. Right. (laughs) So it's like when. It's also a safe place. Right. It's like a circular reasoning. It is. It is. So it's never, it's never getting addressed. Like if when that position becomes the generality which is what it is um, in our culture, we can see why we're in the mess that we're in. And that's where this book, man, he does not, like you said, he doesn't mince words. So I just want to kind of jump through some portions that I highlighted here and you guys can, you know, comment. And and we do want to say there are, we don't mean to overgeneralize, there are churches out there that are standing for truth that are biblical. A few brave churches that are doing it and we're not speaking to them, but it has become a, a common case that, we abstain from these topics, these cultural issues in the body. And yep. then we're left just anemic on, on how to think about these issues biblically. Yeah. So. And I, th- and I honestly think, um, I think this example of what, sure. what happened with this particular event, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to happen more and more as right. we continue. Like, sure. you know, you get invited to places like they specifically because things have gotten so bad in our culture and mix that with the fact that even in our churches, like we just said, in many cases, we have decided that, you know what, I don't want to touch that because sure. it's too hard. It's too, sure. too much yeah. pushback too. And we're scared. There's, and there's reasons for that that we've talked about before that he really dives into in this book. But in the introduction, you know, he, he kind of starts off. He says, did you ever wonder why God isn't doing something? You see America being torn apart, battered into submission and molded into some ugly, weak version of her former self, all in the name of progress. When the moral button of society becomes the loudest voices of influence, shouldn't God act? He said, I believe he is acting. He's skipping down here. He said, the real question is, are you ready to understand what your assignment is in his war to save America? Hmm. Now, one one of the criticisms you'll often hear is like, man, you know, American Christianity makes it too much about America. Hmm. And that criticism can be fair of some groups, but I don't, I don't think it's true of this guy. Like the people that have this prophetic voice right now, because these are, these are kingdom first people that are globally, they have a global understanding, but they understand the wider role that America plays in God's, um, in what he's doing on the earth and in the global scene. Yeah. And so that's where he's coming from. It's not like America, you know, right. God guns America <laughs> right, right. kind of vibe. And actually this guy's uh Latin yeah. and he is uh lives in California. Hey. You know, so he doesn't he doesn't check off the typical, you know, you think you if you read this you might think, Oh, this guy is just some white dude from Mississippi. Hey. No, he's like and he actually did ministry at UC Berkeley for many years. Like wow. one of the most liberal the epitome of kind of leftist university right. at a high level that, you know, he, that's where he, that was his stomping ground. So it's a really unique mix here. So mm. I think it's worth at least listening to, like I said, if you disagree with some things here and there, that's your, you know, you can wrestle through that. But here I'm just reporting it. Um, you can chew on it. 
um, but here he says it will restore this 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 pouring out this last ditch effort to save America. It will restore much of the spirit filled Pentecostal churches from the business model entertainment centers back to a movement. Mm. Um, he said wicked wicked agendas will topple. It will be a day of rejoicing and mourning, mm. a panoply of extremes. Mm. Um, and and he talks about this, and this is a. This is, I have studied a little bit about the day of the Lord, that term and yeah. the theme throughout scripture. And, you know, there was, there was small kind of lowercase d day of the Lord's all throughout history. Like it was when God's swift and clear judgment would enter in and right. he would do something kind of very specific, often uh, cataclysmic, you know, something that would shift things like the temple being destroyed in AD right. 70 or, you know, and says, but then, and then there's the big, you know, capital letter day of the Lord when Jesus returns the second time. But these little day, he says the day of the Lord is one of those things that it evokes equal parts yearning and dread, depending mm-hmm. on which side you fall of it. So I want to skip ahead just to, just a couple. And like I said, I'm just touching on these things and any comments you guys have too, like yeah, I said, yeah. feel free. But he said, every soldier of God must know what God is doing in their time. And that again goes mm-hmm. back to that wake up, be aware, like understand the times. Right. Um, we need to we need to see and get a reading on what God's doing so we can get our assignment for how we are, are gonna take part in this. Chapter two is interesting. He says, Why why Satan must destroy America? Hmm. And this this he actually touches on, you know, is he just kind of mindlessly talking about America because he's American and right. you know, he just wants to bring it back to the fifties and we all live in these, you know, leave it to beaver households. No, that's not what he's talking about. Here's here's one of the statements I highlighted. He said America is a firewall that prevents the one event Satan craves most most global anarchy mm. anarchy is the only thing that will make the world embrace lucifer's worldwide dictatorship and wow. that sounds a little <laughs> crazy so, but again man. and you could you know from interviewing Hayes, like he's saying the similar things you know yeah. like and he studies not only like he's got a bible in one hand like we said and a newspaper in the other like he's constantly right. he's aware of how the un works and global you know, the countries interact and all these types of things and in, in God's plan. And it's not, this isn't some wild eyed reading of revelation. This is, you know, good, solid biblical exegesis mixed with understanding what's going on. Yeah. And this is the part he pointed out that I thought was interesting and connects to what we've been talking about. He said, this is why the most important goal of evil is chaos. Mm. Marxists believe goodness magically arises out of chaos. <laughs> Another group radically opposite Marxism also values chaos. And he goes to talk about how, why is um, Islamic jihadism connected to Marxism? So it's an interesting chapter, but one of the things that he goes on to talk about, we've often talked about, this is what uh, maybe in an episode or two from now, we're going to read through a long article, but it's really good on exactly what cultural Marxism is, the history of it. And we've talked about critical theory in the past and, and, Specifically with Neil Shinvey, he's he's talking on a topic which he calls contemporary critical theory, and it has to do with very specific writers that are writing right now, uh, Robin D'Angelo and Peggy McIntosh and certain people that are really popular in the universities and have been picked up in Christian circles um, as mm-hmm. kind of thought leaders. They are connected ideologically to people that have gone before them, a guy named uh, Gramsci, who was an Italian Marxist in the Frankfurt School. Mm-hmm. And there's an ideological connection running through like streams, you know, if you yeah. you could think of it like a river system and um, they're they're sort of all connected Going actually all the way back to the postmodernists like Rousseau and Derrida, so it's a, right. 
it's a thought system and this is what um it's taken root in our universities and our um, media outlets and all this stuff and mm -hmm. that's I, I think you know it's easy to write that stuff off as conspiratorial but it's it's right there it's it's yeah. notated it's you know it's not it's nothing crazy it's in plain sight for it to be a conspiracy it has to be hidden <laughs> um this is this <laughs> right. is out there um right. you can find the stuff all over the internet you find their books you can read it and and um when we read through that article that's what we'll go into that in more depth but what he's saying is this, you know, one of the things that Satan likes to work through is chaos and yeah. his ideology of this, of postmodernism, where he can separate, he can place a gap between our minds and reality, mm. then anything can flourish. Because wow. by then we've departed wow. like from that connection. Right. And so then you can bring anything She's in, anything goes. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing with this transgender movement. Like once mm. biological sex is no longer a thing that's rooted in biology, so good. it can be right. anything you want. He can work as much as he wants and destroy however right. he sees fit. Well, the very nature of truth in itself, you know, from Oprah saying, speak your truth right. at the Golden Globes. So just the very attack on truth being an objective thing. Mm -hmm. Then, yeah, if everybody's truth is subjective, you can. Let every, anybody believe whatever. Like right. Because it doesn't have to adhere to reality. It's just adhering to your own thoughts and feelings. Exactly. And, you know, if you're in an airplane, you know, 40,000 feet above ground, and you need to know whether you have gas to get to go where you're going. Well, you know, it's going to be problematic. Yes. Yeah. And if you if your if your instruments get divorced from the truth, you're in trouble. And that's right. what you know. One of the like we say, ideas and images. Satan's always trying to get the instrument. His instrument has always been deception. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. But part I love about this book and what Haste is saying, these other guys, um, Kim Clement, they're saying, whereas in the past, like oftentimes the charismatic movement was like, you know, hey, hey we're head over the cliff. Nothing you could do about it. Don't polish the silver on a, on this <laughs> caravan. Just right. brace yourself, get hide, and right. run for the hills if you can. Right. And it was very, it was a very pessimistic view, like the the end is nigh, and and you know that there may come a time when that's true. It's very escapism, though. Exactly. Withdraw from culture, withdraw from the world. Yeah. You know, go up on the mountain and just wait for the rapture. Yes, exactly. And so the common thread in these other guys that that have been accurate, they've been speaking very accurately, even, even foretelling like before the things happen, it has been, no, 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 this is a time for us to take up arms and actually take ground. Right. Um, it's not a time to escape, not a time to be silent. It's not a time to be passive or be cowardly. Right. One of the things we mentioned this last week, we've heard, have we heard this like three times from random different unconnected people about how God works the faces of God being a lion and a lamb. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And how um, at one time he worked as more in the lamb kind, but now it's the lion. Mm -hmm. And I think just today we heard that from some random True. person. It's been interesting. Um, he ends this one, I think it's chapter three or four, but he says, God wants us to lean into an unshakable expectation. That something's coming a reverential fear that we can miss it. He talks about why the time is now, and I love this here. You'll appreciate this, but he said, we have big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines. Hey. Hey, all right. I know he was a poet. I put that in a lyric. That's it. What we don't have is a towering move of God. What does not thunder forth from our pulpits is truth, truth that convicts and transforms, mm. truth spoken by a broken, loving vessel that is unconcerned with popularity. And he goes on and says, American preachers used to be famous for being reformers and agents of change. Now they are famous for being performers that have agents. Yikes. Ouch. Yikes. <laughs> well, you know, when you yes. look at the 
the names in history that have done things to move Christianity forward, they were not popular in their time. Mm. Right. Like even Martin Luther, John Wesley, mm-hmm. all these sure, guys, like, sure. you know, we look at Billy Graham and you could say that, well, he was popular when he was alive, but he received ridicule too. Oh know? yeah. And he had sure. that kind of reverential fear. Like he didn't want to ruin his testimony. Yeah. So it, it does seem a little backwards, like what he's saying. Yeah. 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 You know, this book was so convicting. I, I would stop. I would read it. Yeah. And it was so good. I actually, I sat, I think I read it in like a day and a half. I just couldn't, couldn't put it down. But I was reading it and then I would stop and pray. And I would, sometimes I'd stop and repent because I was like, you know, amen. And then oh me. Um, <laughs> but he reminded me, man, how, because I've been in, I've been influenced by this, like the modern church marketing move. And oftentimes we have gotten in that position of relying on our own tricks and and we've you know it's like when you read this book you're convicted like he talks about a lot of yeah. the old saints and and what it took for them to walk out the um calling of god on their lives like it 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 was an emptying out of self it was mm-hmm. a pursuit of prayer that i've never had and you know and it was almost no reliance on the flesh you know and uh, it was no reliance when in in essence like it wasn't they had no tricks no Nothing to to rely on in that sense, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was very convicting. And we've said this before, but if Douglas Wilson's right that the re, the church's report card is our culture, then we're not doing very well. And he, in essence, says that here. He said, "Mega churches boom, yet on their watch, we have had our greatest moral decline." This says leaders have learned to do church without the Holy Spirit. The section two is called, I think it's called, "Modern Crimes Against the Holy Spirit." Hmm. And the first uh, chapter under that section, chapter five, is called The Crime of Church Growth Without the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it starts off with a quote, actually, oddly enough, because we've been talking about Salvation Army a lot. So William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army. Right. He starts off with this quote by him. He said, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be dot, 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 religion without the Holy Ghost, hey, mm. Christianity without Christ, Forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, mm. politics without God, and heaven without hell. Wow. And um, wow. one of the highlights, he said, uh, the enemy tricked spirit-filled preachers. What followed was a devastating waste of time, energy, and resources. And that was one that got me because I was like, I, you know, I think we've been there before when we, we failed to seek the Lord for a task like we should have. And we just kind of went off on our good ideas and kind of trends and tricks of the age. And and then you end up wasting time, energy, and resources, Mm. man. That was one that made me pause and say, you know what? Lord, help me, help me to get back in that place where I'm really, really seeking your kingdom, seeking your word, seeking your face with everything I have, getting my orders from you, getting my means from you as well. Mm. And he, he, so he follows that up. He said, worst of all, the church of God has cowed off the front lines when America needed her most. Mm. They wow. bought a counterfeit kingdom. Mm. The scheme promised grandiose results, but in practice only produced weaker Christians and decreasing influence in America. It was fool's gold. Wow. And I think that's what, I mean, that's what I've seen often. And like you said before, this isn't across the board, but I think to say it's a trend would be fair wow. for sure. Yeah. It's like a slope. But, you know, when you when you pull up any Christian saint of old, the gospel they preached, 
so salty, so different from the average sermon today. It's like, how can I offend the least amount of people <laughs> Yeah, man. and attract the most amount of people where it's like, you got to remember Jesus came to establish his kingdom, repent, put your trust in me and join, join the kingdom of God. But now it's like, you know, feelings and, 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 and your dreams and your career and a successful life. And mm. that's the average um, talk of, of a lot of Christians. I, I'm just thinking about the conversations I've had. And you know, it's interesting. Marilla will say, I've heard him in, a, in an interview say, what is the point of a lukewarm Christian? What is the mm. point? And what, what is the, per, you know, he, he that's, yeah, it's man. confusing to him. Like, I don't get it, but it's, um, it's interesting though. When you pull up, I mean, even when you, a preacher from the early 1920s. Mm. I mean, the, the the message was the Bible on its own terms, Oof. you know? When I hear the justification a lot of times is you have to get people in the door to present them the gospel. Sure. Yeah. That's the overarching justification. I don't know. I mean... So this is interesting. No, here's the interesting part. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's in California. He right. started doing these, like, I, I don't know what it looks like, but these, these massive tent revivals and right. arena things he's been a part of. He said he goes out to California. He said the only people that want to hear want to hear it like that are, are people that are uncommitted Christians. <laughs> he said when he talks to, right. when he meets people in the street, they want to hear it straight out. Like he said, he has people that are coming in all the time, drugs, prostitutes, like across the board, like anti-God craziness going on. He said when he preaches the word and power and boldness, it reaches them unlike the other stuff does. He said if you want to mass lukewarm Christians that are uncommitted, sure. And I guess this is the question, like what brings them to that, that tent? You know what I mean? Is yeah, it, yeah. Is the it brokenness, the... the need, the thirst, the hunger, and maybe right. God's spirit mm. yeah. leading them in that direction because he's trying to reach them. It's like, you yeah. know, the t- I mean, the times when we've sought the Lord is not because everything was perfect. Right. You know, the deepest times with the Lord has been through through my brokenness or things like that. So I guess various reasons, I would imagine. Yeah. No, that's a good question. That's and a very good question. Actually, we're headed out to California soon, so I'm going to reach out. And see hey, that'd be amazing. do an interview. So any other questions you have, bring them up. And, <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. But I love, I love this. He says, look at our rogue altars. Worship leaders prance church stages in revealing outfits. They see nothing wrong with it. They even teach that the body is a beautiful thing. And if you have bad thoughts, it's in your mind. Mm. The Bible disagrees. Proverbs 7.10 says, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot in a crafty heart. The New International Version says, dressed like a prostitute. If you don't want the label, don't wear the uniform. Wow. <laughs> so this brother covered ego on wow. high paint. Wow. Um, meanwhile, out in the world, a confederation of teachers desires to teach your child how to use sex toys and to get them to experiment with gender. They had drag queens reading stories at children Shoot. to children in Shoot. our libraries. They have already systematically changed California into a separate nation. Mm. And without a miracle, the beliefs will spread like cancer to the rest of the United States. Yet California is home to some of the largest mega churches in America. And the, sorry, I got to keep reading this. Stuff. He says, scantily clad women on stage and inebriated ministers are no longer just a matter of hypocr- hypocrisy and carnality it is blasphemy. When they who are supposed to be leading the charge against darkness instead help 
advance the darkness, they are traitors. And I would argue that it is high treason because it aids and abets the destruction of our freedoms. Mm. No one is better equipped to break the curse than the church. Mm. Um, and, and this is funny, too, because we, re- we reference these guys. He said, conservatives can only do so much. Your favorite commentator can only do so much. Ben mm. Shapiro and Jordan Peterson can only accomplish wow. a part of what we need. <laughs> Why is he calling us out? Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, it is left... To the apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists to take up the mantle for this hour. But to our great horror, instead of purifying themselves for the battle of their lives, instead of seeking holy fire to combat the evil, many are gorging on cheap grace, testing the limits of decency, and falling into dangerous addictions. People point out, sorry, got to keep going. People point out that these entertainment churches quote, produce musicals as good as Broadway, unquote, or, quote, they give the average person hope. Mm. But these achievements ring hollow. In a simpler time, they would be impressive. Not today. Mm. This is no time for entertainment. And I think this is where it comes to understanding the time we're in. Mm. Because I think, you know, arguably, when the Seeker movement started, I think it would be more arguable to say, you know, there's a, there's benefit to it. There's value to it. And it's, it's, it's fulfilling a purpose and function for right now. But he said this, this is no time for entertainment. This is no time for mild cures. Society's condition changed the rules. Hmm. A demon possessed culture needs a church with power to cast out devils. Well, a culture reeling with unimaginable addictions needs a church where the baptism of the spirit and the fire of God are plainly, plainly presented. All right. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about like after 9-11, the churches were packed because there was so much fear and so much um, need of hope and answers. And even, you know, there was such mention of that in the news, like that was probably the most attended Sunday mm. church services ever. It's like, and the, the need is just as great now, but... Nobody's running to the church. Yeah, house. man. Crazy. Well, that, that's the, again, going back to the justification, it's sure. the people that don't even feel need, affluent people with little problems in their lives. They're not sick. They don't need money. On, like, they literally feel no need for anything until you get deep enough and maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe their family's falling apart, maybe they're depressed. Like, you could... But to get them to even admit those things that there's a need, it's such a long journey to even realize what it Mm, might be. That's deep. And I always think of Oz Guinness talking about people going from the distraction side of the pole to the dilemma Mm. and how our culture is so distracted. And these people, like because of affluence, they're on their boat on this day and they're at the sports game the other day and then they're spending money this other day. And so they're distracted enough to not feel their need or problems. And so that's why, you know, when I ask the question, like, how do we get them in the door? The people that are broken hopelessly, like, yes, they come in the doors because they understand like that's where they're going to get the answers. I feel like there's a segment of people, especially in America, that feel like they can buy the answer, like that they can buy or distract themselves enough to not feel that they need an answer. And so those are the people that I wonder. And I think that's who the megachurch culture is trying to reach. You know, Preachers and Sneakers is a funny Instagram thing, <laughs> but even in the most ridiculous justification, like does <laughs> like sure. getting a rich person who wears $3,000 shoes to see this person that's wearing them and think like, maybe this person has something to offer me. I wonder, like, is there actually mm-hmm. something to that? Mm-hmm. And how, how do you get those people that don't even think about stepping foot in a church because they don't know a need? Like, how do you reach that person? And yes, it's in relationship. And hopefully there's people in your life that you can reach personally, 
but there's a lot of people that don't have people in their circle that are going to reach them. Yeah. yeah. So the, and that that's my question, you know, for someone like this, like yeah. I wonder. I wonder yeah, yeah. is so I don't know. I don't have an answer. Yeah. I'm just wondering. I'm I'm thinking of how not in a simple way but in a in a big way, a real way that the Bible answers has the answers to the big questions of life. Right. And so rich or poor, life will hit. Absolutely. And so I think that the thing is to to have church services that go so deep enough into these answers that the congregants are representations of the kingdom enough where people will be like, Oh, see the power. What, what is that? Where are you living and where are you getting this from? And I think it's, it, it should be a trickle effect of I've been with Jesus for real. I've been with the Lord. I've engaged with the word of God and the spirit's power and the presence of the Lord where there's a no noticeable, tangible difference yes. where if I've been in the presence of something else, that's a noticeable thing too. But I think he's speaking to, um, what are we after? What are we, yeah. what are we seeking? And what, what are we, what kind of, um, atmosphere are we creating every sunday sunday after after sunday and and also how are we trying to impact people's lives truly i think that's the question is he is just kind of bringing to mind the convictions of what have we been doing and what do we you know and what do we want to continue to do what where are you and what do you want that's what i'm thinking of but even in my own life like if i depend on church solely um, which I love church. I'm, I'm a defender and I love the body of Christ. I don't care what demographic I'm for the church. Yeah. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. However, I have a responsibility for my own walk with Christ. Once I've been shown who he is and I've decided to make him my Lord and savior. Mm. Am I serious about it? You know what I mean? What's my prayer life like? What's my scripture time like? What's the, how much am I allowing the Holy Spirit to really, really, really guide and fill my life daily? And so uh, that's what I'm appreciative of this conviction, this, this, this awakening. And he says in the chapter, in order for there to be an awakening, there has to be a root awakening. You have to be sick of yourself. You have to be, you know, Hmm. man, I think, I think it's a good question. I do. I think what you said is good, babe. The, I honestly think he would come back to saying, how's, how's it working for you? <laughs> sure. You know, it's not doing much. It's like, you know, yeah. if you're, if you're, that's what, uh, William Booth quote at the beginning said, salvation without regeneration. Mm. You know, we're, we're right. trying to, if you try to lower the bar so much that you basically don't have to repent and you're coming sure. to church on the basis of, um, okay. self-helpism therapy and therapy, yeah, like a therapeutic sure. deism, you've only created like a watered down, distortion of christianity that that lacks right. the power and that's why i think you're where we might be seeing this powerlessness um it's, in the place where the mega churches loom large in a city but it has no impact and right and so he actually said on the interview he said if you employ some of this stuff i'm saying you'll probably lose a lot of people and you'll go down you know you might have a hundred people instead of two thousand but he said you won't have crime in your city <laughs> you know he was kind of <laughs> yeah. like you know he was he was talking about the impact that a small group can have that's actually doing kingdom principles versus having a large group that's impotent yeah yeah for sure and i i think that would be the pushback just speaking for him but i think you know i'll still ask that question because i think it's a good one very good and um 
and there, but, but I do see that there is something like kingdom wise to the Bible. Like, you know, God's not a, he's not averse to using small numbers of truly dedicated people to upend whole right. societies Absolutely. and movements. And I guess I'm skeptical a little bit of the seeker sensitive model at this point. Wow. I used to be more of a defender of it and I still think portions of it can be justified maybe, sure. but I think uh, overall I'm a little more skeptical that it has the impact that people th- often think it does by drawing people into there with this low bar thinking I can kind of trick them into getting, you know, this four step process, get them serving. And then I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe it will turn out that it was more impactful than we thought, but I don't know. I'm just skeptical of it, but I'm, I'm going to, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold that question and hopefully come back to it. But I want to finish this little paragraph here at the end of that chapter. He said, if we can truly confess that Babel has replaced the Bible, that self enhancement has replaced self denial, Mm. that marketing has replaced miracles and unconditionally surrender to the Holy Spirit, God will turn our churches into fire-breathing, nation-changing powerhouses. Mm. And that's kind of where he you know, leaves off that, the church growth chapter. He, he also goes into, there's a chapter, I believe, called uh, The Crime of the Contaminated Crowd. And he <laughs> talks about the itching ears and yeah. catering Boy. to that crowd. Um, but I think so. So we'll pause. I'm going to come back and do a few more chapters on the on the next episode. But yeah. I think, you know, the the takeaway so far is I think, you know, it's just good to hear that for all of us. Kind of that strong word from time to time Ooh. to bring correction to where we have, you know, kind of just fallen off a little bit in some ways. So I hope, uh, you know, like I said, that you'll weigh this out, pray through it. You know, ask God to show you where some areas in our lives where we have lost that passion. We've lost sight of what God's doing in the earth and that we've lost sight of the war around us. And we've kind of gotten myopically focused on our own little kingdoms and our own little empires to the neglect of the wider battle. Hmm. I will still love to hear from you. If you haven't sent in what your favorite episode or series was from 2019, we would love to hear from you. Email podcast at freemind.fm or hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at freemind.fm or even comment on our Facebook page, Freemind Podcast FM. We'd love to hear from you. And if you can, take a second and give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It'll help us get discovered by even more people in the next year. And we'd love to hear your feedback and so we can interact with that on our final shows for the year. Look forward to hearing those, and we'll see you next time. Our troubles will be mild.